0: Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's podcast we are talking about your 13 and 23 Detroit Pistons. Uh, If by the time you listen to that, some of those numbers have changed, we are recording prior to the Lakers game taking place Sunday night. Uh, Ben Gulker and I talk about the elevation of Sekou Doumbouya, Tom Gores' comments about rebuilding, and what the Pistons can expect from any Andre Drummond trades to the Atlanta Hawks. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello everyone. Uh, welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how are you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing good. Um, back off the injured reserve. To all my uh, middle-aged friends out there listening to the podcast, back spasms are the real deal. Oh my goodness, you've got that to look forward to if you if you're young and out there. So uh, no, glad to be back. Otherwise, doing good. How are you,
0: Les? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, you know, the Pistons actually managed to not go entirely winless on this West Coast road trip. There's a, There was reason for me to be up past like 1 a.m. watching games, so I'll take it. <laughs> they're now uh, they're now 13-23. and 23. They won last night against the Golden State Warriors, 111-104. Uh, they play the Lakers tonight, and we are recording prior to that game, so that's the reason we're not talking about it. Um, but the real story of this week has been the uh, – That first-round pick, Sekou Numboya, has started the last two games against the Clippers and the Warriors. He's picked up two uh, uh, back-to-double-doubles in those games. uh, He's the first Pistons teenager with back-to-back double-doubles since Andre Drummond, not surprisingly enough. Uh, Thanks for the assist on that, Austin Drake. Ben, how did Sekou look to you in his first two starts, and do you think he keeps starting?
1: Yeah, so in terms of activity, right? I mean, he, he looked, he's looked active to me. Obviously, the double-doubles, the double-digit rebounds in both starts uh, is proof of that. Obviously, it helps that the Pistons pretty much suck at rebounding other than Andre Drummond, so it's nice yeah. to have someone out there actually hitting the glass and crashing the glass. Um, overall, really, too, I mean, pretty, pretty productive. If you look at just the box score, he's doing some stuff. Um, you know, in terms of how he's looked... Um, at times he's looked a little bit awkward, right? I mean, at times he's looked like the youngest player on the floor, not really sure what to do with himself. Or, you know, I can think of a couple of times uh, the other night where he he grabbed a rebound and looked like he wanted to start running down the floor with the ball in his hands like it was the G League, right? And he just wasn't quite sure what he was supposed to do. Um, but look, that's understandable, right? Youngest guy in the league. If, if he looks like that, that's because he is. Uh, and, and I can certainly live with that. Uh, in his first two games and really for the rest of the year, you know, in terms of how long he starts, I guess, in my opinion, I, I kind of hope indefinitely I am very firmly at this point on the shut Blake down until he's healthy season, uh, until he's healthy. Even if that means for the rest of the season, I'm totally good with that. Um, I think now that the franchise seems to be at least open to the idea of a long-term rebuild, you know, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, Obviously, it makes sense to get Blake Griffin healthy. He's no use to you on the floor right now. He's no use to you as an asset if he continues to be hurt. So shut him down. And uh, look, let's see what this kid's got. We've got Seku We've got um, Christian Wood. Let's see if these two big men can play. Uh, there's obviously still some unresolved questions, too, about Christian Wood and his contract and where he might end up. Yeah, let the kids play. I, I want to see what these two can do.
0: Yeah, I will say that uh I don't think the return we should be I don't think the return that like puts him out of the rotation is Blake. I think it might be Markeef. Sure. Uh Mar- yeah. Mark Morris is definitely like a little bit closer to returning than Seiku. But I am I do think that like at this point, through through two games of starting and through like he played thirty eight minutes last night. Uh, it really appeal appears that you can't put the the genie back in the bottle with this one. He looks ready for uh, to play consistent, uh, non like non garbage time minutes on a team that uh, is rebuilding. Um, you love his energy on the glass, like you mentioned. Uh, he there were definitely some times where Andre is like getting used to this kid, like flying in and trying to like take his easy <laughs> rebounds. Um, you like that. Uh, Unlike what you might expect from a normal uh, 19-year-old, Seku has shown flashes of being effective on D. He's good at uh, holding his position and moving his feet. Um, he's good, done a good job of staying with guys and using his length. He had a great, uh, he had a great block and uh, in three sequence that uh, got everybody on social media buzzing. Um, and he's also got like a, a little bit of swag. You you saw him make a corner three and then turn around and, and hush the Golden State bench. <laughs> I mean, like you, you that, that's the kind of stuff you like to see out of your rookie. You know, you're not he's not going to get a chance to do that a lot because they're not going to play a, a single digit win, win team all the time. But it, it's nice to know that he's got that attitude in him especially since like one of the pre-draft criticisms around him was that he took the game. Uh, it was just a little uh, passive at times. And that, that has come up too. Um, he, he is 19. Like uh, the Clippers game, the second quarter, he was just kind of out there. Uh, wasn't really impacting the game in any meaningful way. Um, he was trying to avoid foul trouble as well, but, but still like not being aggressive offensively, not uh, being utilized on offense. He was just kind of there. And that, that, again, was one of the criticisms of him before the draft. Um, he is still, like, new. You could see, especially during the Golden State game, you could see Andre, like, waving him into the right place that he should be on the court. That kind of stuff is going to happen. And if he were to play, like, alongside of Christian Wood, Christian Wood is also a guy that has, that has <laughs> blind to Blind like,
1: leading the blind.
0: <laughs> right. And so you, you worry a little bit about that, uh, about, like, the, the foibles of youth. But, uh, you know, that's that's still like the potential more so than uh, anything else we've got going this season. And then, you know, the other thing with him is that like everybody he's going to get a double, double uh, he's, or he's had a double, double the last two games. Um, but it, it really matters like when he's not the, the freshest guy on the court. Um, you know, he has played in the G league, but it's not like he was getting major uh, minutes in the, uh, in the NBA prior to this. He's probably, um, one of the more like well rested Pistons players available. If he keeps playing like 15, 20 minutes a night, he will like he will hit a rookie wall eventually. And so I want to see what how how he looks when he when he hits that wall and how he like mentally and like physically and skill wise like gets himself out of that wall. that that is that'll be what I'm intrigued to see is like how does he bounce back from from uh, adversity? Because if this team decides to rebuild, like there will be a lot of on-court <laughs> adversity for them to go through.
1: Yeah, I think you said it well when you say, like, his game is ready to be on the court in a rebuilding franchise, right? And, and that I think is a, a really astute ob- observation. He's clearly raw. He's, as we all know, relatively new to the game of basketball, right? A lot of NBA rookies have had a lot more exposure to the game than he has. Um, you know, would he be ready for a rotation and a winning team? I don't think so. I don't think I'd want him to be playing him just yet. But you know, unlike a lot of the other young guys the Pistons have drafted over the year, like um, you know Henry Ellenson comes to mind. He he never really panned out at all, but he he didn't really look ready to play NBA minutes uh, when he eventually did get them. Um, by contrast, Seku looks like yeah he's he's ready to start the process of becoming an NBA player. And learning a little bit on the fly as opposed to, you know, on the bench and in practice and that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. The, the last thing I do want to say on Sekou is that um, there were like some social media rumblings. It's like, oh, like we should have been playing him uh, the entire time of the season. Uh, like that is very clearly not the case. Like you read the you read the profiles that Vince Ellis and James Edwards did on Sekou's time in the G League and like what he learned from that and what he took away from that. And how the the coaching staff kind of imparted on him the like the lessons of like being an NBA professional that he needed to learn. Um, it's clear that like he he needed that time in order to be a better NBA player. The other thing is that like you if you remember like what he looked like in preseason, he was absolutely like just not ready to be anywhere near an NBA court. Uh, he was just completely lost on defense at all times, and so uh, you you're glad that the G. This is like a very this is displaying like exactly what the G league is for, right? Like getting guys playing time, getting them reps in the system that they're going to be using at the, at higher levels, getting them experience that. Um, so that when the opportunity comes, like they can come and fill in a role seamlessly. Like Obviously we hope Sekou is more than that, but not, not right away, you know? All right. The next thing that I think we should talk about is the comments that Tom Gore's made uh, during the Clippers game. Uh, Gores usually speaks to local media when the teams come out when the team comes out to LA because he lives out there. Um, he spoke at halftime of the Clippers game. I wrote a piece about it on DBB. But the, the main takeaway is that for the first time uh, that I can really remember, Gores' uh, his public comments sounded like he was ready to take a, a step back with with the franchise, um, ready to rebuild, ready to. I believe the word he used was uh, reassess reassess like where the team was as a whole and how they could get to be uh, a winning team like even 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 last year where uh you remember they came out to they came out on the lakers game i think in late december early january they were like you know five or six games under 500 kind of scuffling hadn't hadn't uh they were coming down off that 13 and 7 start um and he gores talked about staying the course uh, persevering like winning through adversity we still think we're a playoff team this year you know they're 10 games under 500 and he's talking about like reassessing and reevaluating the team um Ben what did Ben what did you uh what you take away from Tom Gorse's uh, first public comments this season
1: definitely a significant shift in language right that you pointed out um you know what it kind of reminded me of a little bit is the language that um, he kind of started using when it sort of became clear that SVG <laughs> situation wasn't working out right um, you, I, I don't remember his exact words but something the effect that is a,
0: that is an excellent call that's excellent recollection yeah
1: reevaluate reassess and then the next thing you know SVG is is gone right and not doing the last year of his contract so yeah I mean I think that 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 language to me triggers um, it triggers a little more certainty than just the comments on their own um, sort of signal. So, uh, the other thing that I kind of think about and, and just want to mention is I know there are a lot of, um, a lot of fans. We see this on Twitter. We see it on the blog, even among, you know, our own writers and our own staff at DBB who don't want a meddling owner. Right. Um, and I get that. I understand that. And I don't even necessarily disagree, but I think one of the things that's been interesting since Stefanski came on board is we don't really hear a lot from Ed, right? Like he doesn't, he doesn't talk a lot. Um, as the face of the team in terms of the direction of the franchise. So this is really a role that Gores has taken on for better or worse in the Stefanski era. Um, So I think the fact that he's saying this and saying it publicly is, is really pretty significant. He danced around was careful, uh, careful with his language, but I think it means quite a bit, Um, you know, in terms of how quickly things happen, you know, to me, I, I think this is the beginning of the rebuild, Um, But I don't necessarily think it means something immediate, right? I mean, we have these two big contracts in Drummond and Blake Griffin who we either wait out or trade. Um, But the rest of the guys, fortunately, we've got young guys on on small contracts, and then we've got a handful of veterans who are on expiring deals or short-term deals or reasonable deals, right? So um, they can afford to be a little bit patient. Um, Obviously, there are rumors about Drummond, which we will talk about. Um, you know, to me, it sounds like they're just sort of listening to people, right? People are calling them and they're listening, which is maybe the first time they've really done this seriously. Um, But I don't get the impression that they, you know, necessarily have to do something between now and the trade timeline. I think they can be a little bit uh, patient. So that's kind of what I'm reading into, you know, Gore's comments from this, from this week. What are you hearing, Les?
0: I, I'm a, I'm agreeing with you for the most part. The other thing I think is important to recognize is that uh, for, you know, for all the uh, the alleged like relationship between Tom Gores and Andre Drummond, for everyone who thought like that relationship would keep Andre Drummond a piston, Gores, uh, you know, Gores talked to the media before these Andre Drummond trade rumors came out and he was uh, exceedingly noncommittal. Um yeah. And that's something that he wasn't prior to the season started. They were, you talked about how important like Andre was. He talked about wanting to get um, a deal done. And now like that, that has changed. And so I think that, you know, Gores might, uh, Gores has always wanted this team to be a winning team. And like, that's something that in, in writing that piece, I like went back and like looked through a lot of what he his public comments had been like prior to, prior like to to last season to you know the firing of SVG to the hiring of Dwayne Casey he's uh you know to after the the playoff series against Milwaukee he's consistently said like he wants this team to be a winning team and i think for the first time since he owned the team um he's he's realizing that like the the way to be a consistent winner is, is to take a step backward. And we know from other NBA owners that like that can take a while to learn, right? Like these guys, they're for the most part, they're billionaires. They're successful in their uh, chosen ventures. It, it takes them some time to accept the fact that, um, you know, despite the fact that they might be doing things intelligently in one arena, like that does not necessarily mean they're doing things intelligently in, in the, uh, in the team arena. And so, like, these guys have to take their lumps just like GMs, just like players do. And so I, I think that we might reflect later on on this, like, part of Tom Gorge's ownership as, a, as an era of uh, growth as an owner. Um, and that'll, that'll be a really good thing. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, the labor market, too, is so different in the, in the NBA. You look at guys who, as you mentioned, billionaires have owned um, successful companies. Like, you can't just go out and pick from a pool of thousands of people, right? Like you have this very small number of human beings on the planet who are one capable of being NBA GMs two being coaches. And then three, the pool is even smaller when you talk about the players. And, you know, I think you're right. Every owner has got to learn that even if they understand it intellectually, like you can't just go pick and choose whatever you want. You've got this complex salary structure. You've got this collective bargaining agreement and you've got this really tiny labor force, and you've got to learn your way around that. I think that's a good observation.
0: All right, so let's let's get to the the other really big news of the week, and that's uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that Andre Drummond is officially on the trading block. Uh, we got the report that, you know, the specifically that they were talking to the Hawks about a deal. Uh, Woj mentioned that uh, ownership at both on both teams on both sides have been involved in trade discussions, but that no deal was like imminent. Um, the we got a later report from I believe our old friend uh, Vincent Goodwill, a former uh, Detroit beat writer, and now I think at a, at Yahoo, if I remember correctly, that uh, other teams like the Celtics, Raptors, and Mavericks were all interested. Um, this is really just like trading Drummond does kind of put like a cap on like this this last almost uh, like eight year period of uh, basketball in Detroit. This is the end of the. The drummond era then and this goes along with the the reassessment of what Tom Gors was talking about about where this team is headed uh Ben what what went through your mind when you saw the Woj report
1: yeah I mean my first, so really I kind of thought through it from two perspectives my first reaction was really a bit of disappointment as everybody knows who listens I I think Andre is a good player and I think he's been mismanaged and miscast in Detroit and um since the day that the initial report came out and today, I I mean, I've sort of resigned myself. I've sort of cooled off to this idea, but really it was, it was disappointment. Um, I had kind of envisioned, you know, going back to the SVG era that when we got into Andre Drummond's 26 year old season, things would have sort of culminated, right? Like the team would have built a team Uh, Built to take advantage of Andre Drummond's strengths and to mitigate some of his weaknesses. And the franchise has really failed to do that on almost every level, right? I mean, we haven't seen a point guard other than, you know, one season where the Pistons did make the playoff who makes sense with Andre Drummond. We have failed to see three point shooters be acquired, right? Who could spread the floor uh, and give everybody room to breathe and take advantage of uh, Andre's skill sets as a a rollman man in the pick and roll, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I was disappointed because it it sort of signals the failure of this experiment. Uh, There's plenty of blame to go around, um, you know, but it's disappointing. The second area I tried to really think about this was from the perspective of, you know, information that we don't have access to as fans, but if you were an insider and you were suspicious that, you know, maybe Andre Drummond is about to opt out, Uh, Maybe in spite of the things he's saying publicly, he's ready to move on and and go to a different situation. Um, You know, maybe the Pistons are clued into that and they realize they need to make a move for him so that they don't lose him for nothing. And we've seen that happen. We saw Greg, Greg Monroe walk for nothing. We saw KCP leave. Uh, for nothing, uh, maybe the Pistons want to preempt and get ahead of that and get whatever value they can, even if it's just a, you know, a late first-round pick and an expiring contract or something like that. So, yeah, from the perspective of franchise management, given Dre's contract situation, yeah, I mean, doing something sooner rather than later and being willing to listen to kind of any and all offers uh, makes a whole lot of sense for them right now.
0: Yeah, that was something that uh... – some the uh the Charlotte Hornets fans that I follow kind of acknowledged like they they wished that they had gotten something for Kemba in a similar situation yeah. last season. Yeah. And uh, you know their situation is, has turned out fine, but you know their situation could be even better right now with, you know, an extra late first in last year's draft or um you know getting some more uh, bad salary off their books or something like that. If they had, you know, decided to to trade Kemba last season instead of losing him, uh, in well, technically they traded him for Terry Rozier, but maybe they could have gotten a better return than than uh, than Terry Rozier if they had, you know, done so last season. Um, for me, I guess it was I was also kind of disappointed. I, uh, the Pistons have, as I've said before, the the Pistons have failed Andre Drummond, and, and Andre Drummond has failed the Pistons like that. The, the lack of success on uh, that the Pistons have had during the course of his career kind of runs both ways. Um, but the, the second thing I thought about was, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what this team looks like without Andre, right? We've, we've gotten so used to Andre being the core of everything that the Pistons have done for the last, you know, six, seven years, that it'll be very interesting to see what kind of identity they choose to adopt in his absence. Um, I talked a little bit about this on Twitter, but you have a bunch of, if you have as many young guys as the Pistons have um, in, in a Seku, in a Bruce in a guy like a Jordan bone, those are guys who all like playing in transition. Um, that's something that I feel the the Pistons have kind of lacked because uh, Andre likes to, you know, make sure he's got the rebound, see the defense and, and uh, make easy like outlet passes are, are, if he does run, like he's doing the running himself. It's not in the, the hand, the ball's not in the hands of the guards. Um, and so like a, a run and gun Pistons team is not something we've, you know, ever really seen in Detroit. It's like, could that be the team's identity? Like, maybe, I don't know. Uh, we have a bunch of uh, young, long athletes and guys like, you know, Jordan Bone and Lewis King and Seku. There are some, uh, some long athletes available at the top of this year's draft where it looks like the Pistons will select. You you add another guy in that mold, and all of a sudden, you know this this team. Uh, it maybe it changes. You change the defensive scheme to to blitz more, to take advantage of your uh, to take advantage of your length, to to leverage, you know the not having um a, a, the the center and drop coverage like you have with Andre Drummond. Um, you know offensively, you know the Pistons are no longer tied to a scheme that should be like heavily in pick and roll um maybe they can play you can find some shooting centers you can play five out now with uh with everybody on the team um you're you're no longer uh i don't want to say bound by but you're no longer uh, like t- tied directly to a style of offense like that's dictated by your best players um we'll we'll see what blake looks like when he returns and uh, what kind of shape he's in uh, for the rest of the season and beyond but for now, like you can, you can mold the team in whatever image you see fit, and I will be curious to see what uh, what direction the team is molded in by Ed Stefanski. Really. All right, Ben. Uh, let's talk about some actual Andre Drummond trades. What kind of return are you expecting for Andre?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately you're going to end up getting back something that is. Um, less than what his actual productivity on the court is worth. Um, but that's largely going to be determined by the fact that his contract situation is pretty unclear. Uh, anyone who trades for him this year, right before the trade deadline next month is obviously going to be concerned about the fact that he could opt out at the end of this season. Um, now depending on who acquires him, maybe they want him to opt out, right? We haven't seen that rumor necessarily. We haven't seen any team necessarily looking for him for that reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think ultimately you're going to get less value back. The Pistons are probably not going to want long-term salary unless it's like a guy on a rookie contract, right? So I think the, the rumored trades with Atlanta are probably realistic in terms of the, the return that you're going to get back. You're probably going to get um, contract, a matching contract or two um, of veteran guys who don't have uh, long-term money committed to them. Uh, so maybe that's one big expiring contract uh, like a Chandler Parsons is a, a name that's been linked to him. And then maybe a first rounder this year or next year. Um, and like I said to me, Andre Drummond is worth more than that. You're not going to be able to replace Andre Drummond's productivity with a back half of the first round pick most likely. Um, but his contract is what it is. Um, unfortunately, the Pistons really, I think they if this was the direction they're going to go, they waited too long to do it. And We're kind of getting bit by that now, um, but I've resigned myself to the fact that that's probably about as good as you're going to get unless um, you know Andre is willing to make some sort of a commitment like, yeah, I'm going to opt in and I'll, I'll renegotiate my contract with the team I'm traded to or something like that, which obviously we're not there yet. You need to be further along in trade discussions uh, to get there. What are you
0: thinking, uh, Les? That's also technically illegal. Yeah, but yeah. But yeah,
1: you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Technically illegal. <laughs> sure.
0: <laughs> no, I, I think uh, before I get into like the meat and potatoes of what I expect from an Andre Drummond trade return, I do think that we are like, we collectively are kind of underplaying the potential return the Pistons could get. Um, when I think about how um, like Jimmy Butler was uh like he had to go from Minnesota he was in the final year of his deal and they still managed to get like a pretty good return for him um, and even even when he was traded from Chicago to Minnesota he had a year and a half left but they were able to procure a, uh, an exciting young player in Zach Levine and functionally like two first round picks and Chris Dunn, who was I think third overall and a, and a future first that ended up being Laurie marketing. Um, you look at what Tobias Harris netted Tobias Harris netted. And, uh, I believe he was also an expiring contract. He netted, you know, two first round contracts or two first round picks and Landry Shamit, who was, I believe like a highly prioritized second round pick. Um, and I think if you know Stan Van new knew Tobias was worth two firsts, he would have traded him for two firsts. <laughs> but, but that's neither here nor there. Um, use another example: Boogie Cousins, who uh, was also, I think, had one more year on his uh, contract, um, but he got traded for a, a future first round pick and Buddy Heald, who was taken sixth or seventh in that draft, if I am not mistaken. Um, you know, we don't we didn't get the we didn't get the we didn't get a Kemba trade but that was the price Charlotte was asking for with Kimbo was like a a pretty good young player, a first round pick and, you know, the necessary salary to make it work. And so I think that um, that is, that's kind of the framework um, I'm working with. Um, I do think you will be able to get a, that that if you're dealing exclusively with Atlanta, just in the frame of Atlanta, it's some salary that that Brooklyn uh, 2020 pick or, the Brooklyn Future First is lottery protected this season, but Brooklyn is, I believe, seventh and uh, over five hundred, and it looks like they're going to make the playoffs. So that looks like that pick is going to convey somewhere in the the mid to late teens. And so you so you have that you have whatever salary you need to make it work. Uh, the Pistons will probably prefer to take on less salary than they are uh, than they're giving out in and Andre just to get even further away from the luxury tax to free themselves up to make you know future moves. Um, but a lot has been made about Atlanta's young guys, just like being completely off the table for Detroit. And I don't think we should, I don't think we should erase that possibility. Um, you look at a guy like, uh, like a, like a John Collins um, Collins is actually kind of made duplicative by, by the acquisition of Andre Drummond. Um, he, is they're trying to turn him into a center, but I think he's more, he's in the Christian Wood mold where he's tall and skinny and explosive, um, but not necessarily like suited to, to guarding bigger guys at center. Um, and so you kind of wonder what that pairing would look like from uh, Atlanta's perspective. You know, Collins can shoot, they have had him working on his shooting ability, so you can still play, you know, four out with Andre Drummond. Um, but I, uh, and he is coming up. He's the same draft as Luke Kennard, so he's coming up on uh, an extension as well. Um, I would be surprised if he were included in the deal. Maybe that's a way that Atlanta uh, avoids giving out the the Brooklyn pick is that they put an asset like John Collins in the deal. Um, but yeah, and like that, that is also something we should keep in mind. Like the the better the young player, the better the the better the young player, the worse the draft capital, and and vice versa. The worse the young player, the better better the draft capital. You should continue or you, sh- you should expect to get. Um, you look at Deandre Hunter, I think is, he's the, he was the number four pick overall last season. He's a guy who'd be really interesting next to Seku. He's a, a little bit on the older side of the rebuild. He's 22 already in his rookie season. Um, but they, they traded up to get him. If I remember correctly, they placed a lot of value on, on getting him. So I would expect him, I'd expect them to try and protect him, but, uh, He's, an, he's another name that's a possibility. Um, you look at a guy like uh, Kevin Herter. Uh, Kevin Herter is a late first-round pick from a couple years back, the same years as Trey, um, and a really good offensive player um, who has had his struggles defensively. Uh, he's very much in the mold of of Luke Kennard as a guy who's able to score from three and out of the pick-and-roll uh, but doesn't necessarily do a great job getting all the way to the rim and uh, has some question marks defensively. I don't know if the Pistons would be interested in having like two Luke canards uh, on, on the, on the floor at the same time or like on the roster at the same time. So that, that uh, doesn't eliminate that, that prospect. But uh, I do think that uh, that makes it a little bit more complicated. Um, You look at a guy like Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish uh, was taken number 10 overall this season. Um, he has. I had a lot of pushback from this. Cam Reddish is a very divisive player. Uh, he has not been statistically productive this season. He's been really inefficient. Um, he reminds me a lot of, of Stanley Johnson in a negative way. Aww. Yeah, in that he can't he can't shoot right now, and he can't jump either. But he competes on defense, and he has. Uh, he was highly rated coming out of high school and was a, a one year player from a major basketball school. And so you understand why people would be optimistic about that guy panning out. but um, he he needed to show me more in the time he's been like an NBA player for me to be interested in him as a prospect. And like even when even when he flashes, like even when he scores like 20 plus points, it's a difficult 20 plus points. It's either that or it's just his shots falling. Um I will say he competes on defense more than I think I would give him credit for. Um that's the that's the asset that I both think the the Pistons are most likely to get in in a trade for Andre Drummond and in, and the asset I am most fearful about excuse me about about them getting because you know again don't want to repeat the mistakes of, of Stanley Johnson. <laughs> um the last guy is Bruno Fernando. Bruno Fernando is a rookie center out of Maryland who's drafted this year. Um, just a regular old rookie center, rim runner, shot blocker type. Um, if if you're knocking, if it's him, I would expect the draft capital to be a little bit higher, like maybe throw in a future second round pick. Or um, in my dreams, you could add that extra Oklahoma City 2022 first round pick that turns into two seconds if it doesn't convey that year. And, you know, that's, that's a little bit farther out. I expect that uh, the Pistons are going to try and rebuild. Uh, They're going to be trying, like, done with their rebuild by, like, 2022, 2023. And so I don't know how valuable a pick that year will will be for them. And it's always a guessing game of, like, how good is Oklahoma City going to be in two years or whatever. But uh, if you were – but Fernando does not strike me as uh, an especially, like, valuable or or special player. And so the hope would be to get uh, a little bit more – draft capital for him in in any trade like that the uh so you know that's what we're looking at you mentioned uh Char- Chandler Parsons uh you got to remember the relationships Chandler Parsons apparently is uh is good friends with Blake Griffin they were both uh running the town in LA uh, back <laughs> yeah. in the day
1: i've seen the the pictures floating around on social media of those two young guns
0: so you uh maybe uh maybe blake kind of speaks up and is like hey like you know i you know if my guy it's like if i got to be hurt like let me get my guy in here for for six months and enjoy myself it's like don't hate that um you got evan turner evan turner would actually uh he's a he's a wing player who's always struggled to to shoot the ball and that's been his main weakness but he's a guy who could actually like kind of help this team a little bit because he can play he can he can handle the ball he could take a little bit of the ball handling duties um, off a guy like a Bruce Brown in, in a bench lineup or in the starting lineup. Um, oh
1: God. Evan Turner and Bruce Brown in the same starting lineup. Oh
0: yeah. That, that's pretty brutal. <laughs> you're, you're definitely never like starting Evan, Evan <laughs> Turner, but like if you're putting those guys on the floor at the same time, it helps to have like multiple ball handlers. Yes. Theoretically. And then you've got Alan Crabb who can shoot. You could actually, if, uh, if the Pistons were to get Alan Crabb, I would like immediately be looking to to flip him someplace else because that guy, when healthy, can absolutely shoot the ball. And that's something that other teams might uh, find more valuable than the Pistons need uh, at this point. Um, yeah, so it, it, it really just depends on the uh, the quality of the young player. And I do think we might we might all just collectively be aiming uh, a little low on Andre Drummond uh, and, and what we would expect in a trade return.
1: I'm encouraged to say that the other team that I'm really interested to pay attention to here is Boston and what they might be willing to pull out of their war chest. I mean, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why he is super appealing to Boston, but I, I guess I don't really care. I I'm more interested in what would they be willing to part with in order to really, I think if you, if they're right, if they're acquiring under Drum and they're looking to make a push this year, maybe next year, I don't, I don't necessarily know that he'd be part of their long term plans, but uh, I am very curious to see what a winning team with some assets like the Celtics would be willing to do.
0: Yeah, I think the reason that Boston would be interested in Andre is just because their big man rotation has both been um, it's, it's either like young guys like Robert Williams or Grant Williams or uh, Ennis Cantor, who is not what they're looking for defensively. And, But Andre makes like way too much money to. Uh, be traded for like anything meaningful for them they would need to include like gordon hayward in a deal for andre drummond and i don't i don't see that happen the the out of the teams that uh, vincent goodwill mentions the one that kind of irked me was dallas um dallas would uh be like a good landing spot for dre he'd have a great pick and roll partner in luka Doncic, and dallas has like a bunch of crap and like not that many picks and so it'd be it'd be pretty frustrating to trade andre for like four more years of Dwight Powell, like a year and a half of Tim Hardaway Jr. And like their, their first round pick this year, which is going to be in the like mid to late twenties, because they're already good without Dre. Yeah. So it'd be, it'd be really frustrating to get a return uh, like that for Andre Drummond. So hopefully we can avoid uh, something like that. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. The other thing I wanted to say about uh, any trade with Atlanta with regard, with regards to Andre, Um, I would not be surprised if Andre had a really effective uh, half a season or whatever in Atlanta. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Trey young would instantly be the best point guard he's ever played with. Oh yeah. And they already have enough spacing and they, they've built that team to maximize Trey and Andre helps them do that. Um, He would help settle them defensively, I think as well. And so uh, it would be, it would be frustrating, but not surprising for the hawks to trade for andre drummond immediately like start winning games and people to, to re re uh, acknowledge like how good andre drummond is while while that wasn't happening in detroit like i'm already kind of mentally preparing myself for for that eventuality
1: yeah i mean and personally like i'm a fan of andre drummond and i would really like him to land somewhere um i'd like him to have a soft landing where he plays well and look i I think he's a good player and he's super divisive among the fan base. So I I would really like to go see him maximize this tantalizing potential. That's really been sort of squandered. And As you mentioned, it's both ways, but I'd like to see him land somewhere and really play well and, and help a team win.
0: Yeah, m- me too. I think there's a lot of just fatigue mm-hmm. with, yeah. with Andre Drummond more than anything else. All right, Ben, uh, the Pistons play the Lakers tonight. That's going to go. Um, <laughs> And then they have a home and home with Cleveland. They're finally back home. I can finally stop staying up so late to watch these games in the West Coast. Um, so it's two games against Cleveland this week, who is uh, having their own troubles. Uh, I don't know if you saw the the Kevin Love stuff. but uh, I could not stop laughing at
1: that. Oh, my gosh. Just thinking about it makes me laugh. Absolutely hilarious. Poor John Beeline. That's what you get, though, for leaving Michigan. I'm telling you. <laughs>
0: And then uh, the Pistons play uh, a home game against the uh, Chicago Bulls. Uh, the road trip is almost over. Uh, how many games will the Pistons lose this week? Man? What's our record against the Bulls this year? I mean, like, I feel like that's a team
1: that we should beat, but you can't really count on it, right? Like, yeah, we're we're zero two against the Bulls if I'm re- if I'm remembering correctly.
0: We yeah. definitely haven't beaten them, and I think we've only paid them twice.
1: Yeah, so with, I mean, let's let's chalk that up as a loss. Who knows with the Cavs? I mean, geez. It's hard to know if they want to win or what they want to do, and uh, let's let's hope for one and two last because I I just don't think that wins matter right now.
0: And then they they play Cleveland twice. That's four games.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. The Lakers games one yeah. and three. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about Lakers tonight. Yeah,
0: oh, yeah. we have both already eliminated the Lakers game yeah. as a possibility. <laughs> yeah, this will just add to the uh, the legend of Anthony Davis's uh, feats against the Detroit Pistons. Uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think I think one in three is about as good as you can hope for. Um, I do think uh, it'll be interesting to play Cleveland right now. Um, you know, just like Andre could ostensibly be traded at any moment, Kevin Love sounds like he could be traded at any moment, and so that could have uh, an impact on those games this week. Um, or Kevin Love could just decide he's not going to play defense. Yeah. And- <laughs> and you can you could win a couple games so hey
1: yeah demand the ball and then just instantly throw it into the practically the
0: first row (laughs) you see his uh you see what he said about that no i I didn't so uh he said they were running like an end a half play and he had chris paul on him and he's like, like i wanted to go post up chris paul but beeline called a play where i would set a screen and it's like But Chris Paul's six feet and I'm six ten. That's really dumb. So like I just I was I was frustrated. It's like all right, all right, Kev. The frustration,
1: the frustration was obvious. It's like everybody's been in a pickup game like that where you've got the one guy who just dribbles the ball, wants to do his own thing. (laughs) So you demand the ball just so you can pass it to show him what a pass looks like.
0: Oh man, it's good that we can like still laugh at other teams. Okay. Oh, yeah. like, it's just not, about how crappy this team is. Right, it,
1: we haven't reached the Immigrating mutiny stage, so that's good.
0: Oh man, I'm whoa, Vince is gonna, Vince Ellis is gonna. He took the buyout from the Free Press. I'm very curious to see if he writes that book about that year. That'll be great. He did, or he's if he if he, if he, he, if does. he decides to. Oh, yeah. okay, gotcha. Yeah, we could all use that book, Vince. If you're listening, write that book. <laughs> all right Ben I uh, let people know where they can find you where they can find your work uh whether they can find your status uh, whether or not you're day to day or you know, on reserve.
1: <laughs> oh yeah still
0: still day to day
1: we're we're doing good today look if Andre Drummond gets traded uh I'm either gonna go on a long soliloquy on the podcast or write something in his defense um so if he's gone in the next week or two um you can find that on the blog or you, you should listen here because i I've already thought a lot about it and got some stuff written down, so I do want to defend Andre Drummond a little bit, appreciate him for what he is, uh, and recognize his faults all at the same time. So, um, I'm I was digging into the comments quite extensively this weekend already, um, <laughs> which is not something I do a ton because I don't like I don't always like myself in the pos- uh, the comments last because I feel like I just get. I get too passionate and I don't, I yeah. don't want to, I don't want to piss people off. Right. Like that's not my intent. I just get passionate about it. Um, otherwise Twitter at BR Galker.
0: Yeah. I, I also do kind of, you find yourself getting drawn into, into individual petty squabbles or you find yourself just kind of treating people like their words on a screen and not people. Right. And so it's, it's it is you do kind of have to like watch yourself when it comes to the comments. Yeah,
1: and this this time around, I was mostly going at it with Steve um, Henson, who's one of obviously one of our editors. So I didn't feel so bad about it. I didn't mind didn't mind getting into the weeds a little bit, but yeah, I, I don't you know I appreciate our readers. I appreciate our listeners. That my intent's never to make people mad or make people feel bad uh, just because they happen to talk to me one day. So
0: yeah, like we we want you to listen, but we don't want you to feel bad about listening. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Uh, I don't want you to feel bad about following me, which you should do on Twitter at last chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. All right, y'all. This has been the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, and we will talk to you next week.